Here's Ian Morrison with this month's Night Sky. The Night Sky for December 2021. As darkness falls, the square of Pegasus is setting towards the western horizon. The top left-hand star, Alpharats, is actually Alpha Andromedae, and it leads you towards the Andromeda Galaxy M31. And there are instructions as to how to find it on my night sky page. The only way now to find it is to actually go into my Astronomy Digest. If you just search for Astronomy Digest, perhaps with Morrison, you'll find it. And near the top, it has the link to the night sky page, which has got obviously what I am saying, but lots of diagrams and charts as well. Above the square of Pegasus is the W-shaped constellation of Cassiopeia, and down to its left, towards the south, lies Perseus, with its bright star Murfak, and also the interesting star Algol, the demon star, because it winks. It's actually an occulting binary. Then down below, now rising towards the south from the southeast, is the constellation of Taurus the Bull, with those two rather lovely open clusters, the Hyades and the Pleiades, lying above. Coming out from the southeast is obviously the constellation of Orion the Hunter. Its wonderful bright stars, Betelgeuse at the top left and Rigel to the right. And beneath the three stars that make up the belt is the sword of Orion, and there you'll spot a little misty object. It's the Orion Nebula, one of the most beautiful objects in the night sky. Up to the left of Orion, we have Gemini, the heavenly twins, with their two bright stars, Castor above and Pollux below. So we're beginning to have a lovely part of the sky to see. The southern part, the Taurus, Orion, Gemini, Canis Major, is one of the nicest parts of the night sky. Now for the planets. Firstly, Jupiter. As darkness falls at the start of December, Jupiter, having a magnitude of minus 2.29 and an angular size of 38.3 arc seconds, may be seen in the south. In fact, it transits at 1715 GMT with an elevation of about 24 degrees on the first. By month's end, its magnitude will have reduced slightly to minus 2.13 and the angular size to 35.36 arc seconds. And it will be seen in the south-southwest at nightfall. Happily, Jupiter has climbed up the ecliptic somewhat, so the atmosphere will not hinder our view of this giant of a solar system quite as much as it has done for the last couple of years. Well, Saturn precedes Jupiter into the sky, and will be seen towards the south-southwest at nightfall. It then shines with a magnitude of plus 0.7, with its disk 16 arc seconds across, and the rings spanning some 37 arc seconds. By month's end, it will have a reduced brightness of magnitude plus 0.71, with a 15.46 arc second disk. Sadly, its elevation will only be about 17 degrees at the start of December, so the atmosphere will hinder our view of this most beautiful planet. Mercury. 
having passed behind the sun at the beginning of December, makes an appearance after sunset in the last few days of the month, very low in the southwest below Venus. It will have a magnitude of about 0.73 and an angular size of just 6 arc seconds. Now binoculars might well be needed to spot it, but please do not use them until after the sun has set. Mars. This month Mars climbs out of the sun's glare in the pre-dawn sky, having a magnitude of 1.64 on the first with an angular size of 3.77 arc seconds. It'll be then best seen at around 6.41 GMT in the southeast. By month's end, the best time to observe it will be about 7 o'clock GMT, when its magnitude will have increased slightly to 1.54 and an angular size of 4 degrees. Again, binoculars may well be needed to bring it out of the sun's glare, but please do not use them after the sun has risen. Venus. Venus has been low in the evening sky for some months now. It starts December with a magnitude of minus 4.87 and an angular size of 39 arc seconds, but will only have an elevation of about 8 degrees at sunset, looking towards the south-southwest. It may well be lost in the sun's glare until around 1600. During the month it falls back towards the sun and will be soon lost in the sun's glare. As the ecliptic is at a shallow angle to the horizon in the latter part of the year, it has never got to a high evening elevation during this apparition. Finally, the highlights of the month. On the night sky page, I give you directions of finding some of the interesting objects in the night sky this month. The double cluster and the demon star Algol, for example. M31, the Andromeda Galaxy, and around New Moon you might be able to spot M33 in Triangulum. It's still worth observing Jupiter, although now at a relatively low elevation, only seen for an hour or two after sunset, it's still not a bad month to observe it. It lies in the southern part of the ecliptic, and sadly will only have reached about 20 degrees elevation when crossing the meridian. An interesting observation is that the great red spot appears to be diminishing in size. At the beginning of the last century, it spanned some 40,000 kilometers across, but now appears to be less than half that size. You can find Uranus in December, and on the night sky page, I have a chart to help you find it. And you'll see in the highlights, it's quite close to the moon, which will give you a chance to see it one night this month should it be clear. On December the 6th, after sunset, there's actually a very nice lineup of three planets and the moon. So if hopefully it's clear after sunset on the 6th, there'll be a lineup of Jupiter up left, then Saturn and Venus, along with a very thin crescent moon. Again, you may need binoculars, but please don't use them until the sun has set. On December the 8th, after sunset, the moon will have moved further south and will actually lie just below Jupiter and Saturn if you look south after sunset. On the 14th of December, there's a chance of finding Uranus fairly easily. 
and I've given you a nice chart to show how to do that on the night sky page. It's up to the left of the moon, not too far away, and you should therefore be able to find it without too much trouble. On the 16th, in the late evening, the moon lies below the Hyades and Pleiades clusters in Taurus. And on the 22nd, 23rd of the month, in the late evening, there's a chance of spotting some of the meteors from the Ursid meteor shower. The problem this year is that the moon is getting close towards third quarter, and so its light will somewhat hinder our view. The radiant lies close to the star Kokab in Ursa Minor, hence their name. So look northwards at high elevation to have a hope of seeing them. On December the 31st, before dawn, if clear and given a low horizon towards the southeast, Mars should be visible down to the left of a very thin, waning crescent moon. And finally, an interesting object on the lunar surface, best seen on the evenings of the 12th and 26th of the month, when the terminator lies close by, is what's called the straight wall, or rupus rector. To be honest, it's not really a wall, but a gentle scarp. And as Sir Patrick Moore has said, neither is it a wall, nor is it straight. Well, it's not a bad month for observing the heavens. I do hope you have some luck. Thanks for that, Ian. And for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Heritino Mogasanu and Samuel Leske with The Night Sky Where You Are. Kia ora, and I'm very glad to be back with December 2021. For the Southern Hemisphere, I'm Haritina Mogoshano. In the Southern Hemisphere is summertime, but everything else is the same. We too are preparing for Christmas and to celebrate the anniversary of Apollo 8, the first people to ever go around the moon on Christmas Day 1968. Speaking about the moon, this month the new moon is on the 4th of December. This is when it's great to go deep sky observing. First quarter is on the 11th of December, which means the moon is in the sky in the first part of the night, and it's setting after midnight. Full moon occurs on the 19th of December. We hope you like long walks under the moonlight, because no deep sky objects will be easily visible in the sky, as full moon does make light pollution, and you will have to use a moon filter if you want to observe the moon. Otherwise, you might get a little bit blinded from too much light. And finally, last quarter on the 27th of December, which means the moon is in the sky in the last part of the night, so rising after midnight. I always remember these things first quarter, the moon is in the sky in the first part of the night, and last quarter, the moon is in the sky in the last part of the night. It's a good memnonic. Venus, Saturn and Jupiter are beautifully aligned at sunset and visible at the beginning of the month just after sunset. Venus is the closest to the horizon, followed by Saturn and then Jupiter. Towards the end of the month, Venus will get too close to the sun, but Neptune and Uranus are visible all night long. Mars is in Libra and moving into Scorpius by the end of the month, which means it will be visible in the morning sky then. I often get comments like, who can remember so many stars, or it's really hard to remember all those constellations and so on. Well, this is true. Many cultures, we all know that, invented stories about different stars in the sky that made things easier to remember. 
Some cultures, in particular, had seasonal asterisms, and some of these asterisms were encompassing the entire sky. How to remember all of it? It's by linking to things that are memorable, or make your own stories. With that in mind, let's look at the sky in December in New Zealand. Imagine this. December is very famous for Christmas, and Christmas is very famous for Christmas trees. As I was learning the South Celestial night sky, one night it occurred to me that right now in December, the entire region of the South Celestial Pole looks like a giant Christmas tree. Of course, I'm biased and I love Christmas trees as well, but the trick helped me remember where everything was. Let's look at that patch of the sky. The sky looks like a Christmas tree only in December, just after sunset. If you look on the southern part of the sky, I will start at the top with Akenar. We can give that the magical tree topper function. It's very high in the sky, about 75 degrees from the horizon. Then, just a bit lower down, the Magellanic clouds are like two patches of snow, one third down the tree. And at the base, look under the Southern Cross, those two stars, Gamma Centauri, Mulifine, and Delta Centauri, together with the Southern Cross and Musca, can be the trunk. All the other stars in Centaurus and Vela can be the decorations on the lower branches. Can you see the giant celestial Christmas tree? We might not have snow this time of the year in the Southern Hemisphere, but it's like nature compensated for that with a celestial Christmas tree just in time for Christmas. Then, in the north, the Great Square of Pegasus is the only horse that looks like a square, one of the very few northern constellations that is not upside down. Pegasus pulls a sleigh. Did you see that coming? We can make it up out of the Pleiades, Hyades and Orion. Draw a line between these asterisms and you can see the sleigh. Orion is the back of the sleigh where the driver sits and the Pleiades is the front where the runners are curved. Can you see it? We don't have reindeers in New Zealand so Pegasus, the flying horse, will have to do. Running behind the sleigh on the ground is a dog. This is the dog star Sirius. He's very happy in the snowy road, which is the Milky Way. We can imagine that the sleigh has just come up from behind the Christmas tree and flying across the sky to the Northern Hemisphere. But there is one more star, my favorite star here, Canopus. I call the star the cat star, as every serious astronomer in New Zealand who wants a cat should contemplate this name first. And there is a story behind it as well. Halfway through, from the top of the Christmas tree, which is the star Akenar, of course, our cat Canopus jumps to catch the back of the sleigh. By the looks of it, it will probably land on the dog. So we can turn the night sky in December in New Zealand into a big Christmas scene. We have a horse, sleigh and a big Christmas tree. Draw a line from Sirius to Canopus, which are two very bright stars, it will lead you to the Magellanic Clouds. Sirius is in fact the brightest star in the sky, Canopus is the second brightest star in the sky, and to the right of the imaginary Christmas tree is Alpha Centauri, the third brightest star in the sky. Lower on the northern horizon, underneath the galloping hind legs of Pegasus, Andromeda Galaxy is a smidge of light, is the furthest object we can see with the naked eye, 2.5 million light-years distance from us. When the light that we see now from Andromeda left the galaxy on Earth, some of our hominid ancestors facing food shortages 
develop larger brains as an evolutionary strategy. This led to the genus Homo, which first arose 2.5 million years ago. Homo habilis developed as the ice ages began, a time known as Pleistocene. And who knows, maybe the first human memories of winter come from then as well. Let's look at some binocular objects. Binoculars are really awesome because we use both eyes. Some very cool objects this month lay low, so they're not that great to see. But best objects to start with are obviously the moon, the planets and double stars like Alpha Centauri, Gamma Velorum, Beta Musque and Epsilon Carinae. The Pleiades, Andromeda Galaxy, they're all great binocular targets. Then, of course, the Magellanic Clouds are great to look at. Let's look at what we call deep sky objects as well. Some favorite of ours are visible in the night sky in December. The first one is M74, which is very hard to see due to its very low surface brightness. With very dark skies, it can be seen from the wire wrapper. You would need a Bortle scale 2 or 1 sky to see it. Luckily, it's not that bad for galaxy hunting in December, as not too far from M74 is the bright galaxy of M77, also known as Cetus A. This one is easy to spot even from central Wellington. We won't see the faint outer regions of the spiral arms, but the bright active core is very visible, and at 33 million light years distance, the photons from this object have spent a long time making their way to Wellington. We do have some very impressive galaxies in the southern sky. One of these, NGC 253, also known as the Sculptor Galaxy, is a large spiral galaxy at an angle to us, so it looks like an elongated ellipse. It's relatively bright and easy to spot if you've got plenty of aperture. You'll have to put your light bucket on the back of your scooter and head up to a dark sky location to make out much detail, but if you do, you'll be in for a treat as you take the complex shapes and clumps of detail visible on the disk. Sculptor is about 12 million light years away and appears about 27 arc minutes long, so it's quite big. Quite close to Sculptor is the tight spiral galaxy known as NGC 300. This is a great galaxy to view as it's quite close at only 6.6 .6 million light years. For northern sky observers, it's a bit like a mini M33. Viewing from Wellington will show the bright core, but you will have to head to the hills to get any detail out of the spiral arms. Keen astrophotographers will have a better time in Wellington as this galaxy is bright enough to burn through the light pollution and produce quite a nice picture. The problem with viewing galaxies is that they don't really look like anything in those beautiful photographs people take. They are often just a faint grey smudge in the eyepiece and you have to use your best visual observing skills to get any detail out of what you're looking at. This is when it's great to swing the telescope around to the majestic brilliance of the likes of the Tarantula Nebula. This gives you a picture in the eyepiece very similar to what photographers capture just not in color. The big giant bright complex of gas clouds and massive stars look like a spider just a little bit, hence its name, and it is a must-see of the Saturn sky, and it's almost compulsory viewing on any observing evening. At this time of the year, the two galaxies groups of the Fornax cluster and the Grus Quartet are also in a good position for viewing. As the month advances, the position of the Fornax cluster improves and the position of the Grus Quartet gets worse, so get in early to see those four stunning galaxies. 
both groups are between 60 million light years and 80 million light years distant, with the Grus Quartet being three galaxies visually quite close to each other and another galaxy a little further away. With the right eyepiece, you can get all four in the same field of view. With the Fornax cluster, it's possible to get up to 11 galaxies at once in the same field of view. These are mainly elliptical galaxies, including the stunning Fornax A. December in the Southern Hemisphere is generally the unhappy month for the astronomer, unless your thing is solar astronomy, because the nights are short and the temperatures are creeping up. It seems to take forever for the night to get truly dark and forever for the telescope to cool down. Unlike the rest of the population, stargazing people and astronomers are craving a cold front to blow through and give us a nice cool patch of air to settle the thermals and give us some great scene. The good news is that this time of the year is perfect for an all-nighter of astronomy, and I mean all 4.5 hours of astronomical night that we get as the Milky Way passes through the zenith in the early hours and there is a wealth of deep sky objects to fill your eyepiece. As you start the evening, a good place is Orion, that majestic constellation that is so easy to find in the northeast at about 35 degrees in the elevation. With a pair of binoculars, an observer can easily see the great Orion Nebula, Messier 42 or M42, which is a huge star-forming region just above Orion's belt, which is made of three stars, Alnitak, Alnilam and Mintaka. Mintaka is very dear to navigators as it's located exactly on the celestial equator. And if you remember the sleigh, Orion makes the back of the sleigh. Here in New Zealand, the asterism of Orion's belt and Orion's sword is also known as the pot. Orion has a number of very interesting stars, including Betelgeuse, which is a red supergiant and one of the largest stars in the sky. It is one of the few stars that have been imaged and it's unusual in shape. It's quite apparent showing it probably has a very unstable atmosphere causing the asymmetric bulging of the star. Because of its massive size, Betelgeuse will not live for much longer, maybe only another 1000 years or it might have already exploded. But given it's 400 or so light years away, we might not find that out for a while. When it goes, it will create quite a spectacle on Earth, as it will be a very bright supernova, and it will probably be even visible in daylight. M42 is relatively close to us at about 1,400 light years, which makes it one of the brightest nebulae in the sky. With a telescope, the M42, can appear to have a greenish tint. Unlike the bright red photos that are often published, it is estimated that M42 is about 24 light years across and that is part of a much larger structure known as the Orion Molecular Cloud, which extends for about 10 degrees across the whole constellation of Orion. This cloud includes the famous Horse Head Nebula, B33 Flame Nebula, NGC 2024, M78 and Barnard's Loop, Sharpless 2276. If you do have an infrared telescope, and not very many of us have that, an amazing object is the Beckley Neugebauer object, which is the brightest star in infrared. Worth looking up pictures of that. M42 is one of the most photographed objects due to its brightness and visibility 
in both the northern and southern hemispheres. These are some of my favorite things about December, other than sleigh bells and snowflakes and warm woolen mittens. And from here in New Zealand, I wish you clear skies so that you can always see the stars and always remember we are made of the same stardust as they are. Thanks for that, Haratina and Sam.